Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. I've been hitting the canvas hard, getting ready for my upcoming solo show with Miles McHenry Gallery this September. In the studio, I'm using nothing but golden acrylics, golden matte medium, golden gesso, and a bunch of other golden products. I find them to be the best that you can get and they're made in upstate New York by an employee-owned company. You can find their artist supplies in almost every art store and on goldenpaints.com. Suzanne Song is an artist born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who lives and works in New York. She received her BFA from Clemson University and her MFA from Yale. She's had solo exhibitions at Gallery Baton in Seoul, Korea, Dosan Gallery, Michael Steinberg Gallery, and Karen Golden in New York. She's been in group exhibitions at the Buck Gallery, Foley Gallery, Mixed Greens, The Drawing Center, Smack Melon, and more. Her work has recently been acquired by the RISD Museum, and she's a recipient of the Smack Melon Fellowship and the NIFA Fellowship. Currently, Suzanne is a member at the Elizabeth Foundation of the Arts Studio Program. I met up with Suzanne in her Midtown studio for a talk about texture, hymns, school, and life, and a lot more. Here's our conversation. Okay, fortunately, there's no official start to these. Oh, no, that's so better. we can talk about whatever you want. Okay. Like your commute today. My commute. <laughs> My, okay, so I usually take the subway to studio. Did you walk? No. I took the cab. Oh, nice. <laughs> because... Wait, a yellow or an Uber? A yellow, because I had my compressor shipped back from Korea. It was, at, it was shipped to my house, and I brought it back today. Wait, what's a cr- compressor? Um, I spray my paintings, the shadow areas, with an airbrush. Oh, like an airbrush. But oh, the... The, the heavy-duty yeah. airbrush. The ones where you spray cars. Oh, not that guy? Not, no, that's the smaller one. I have a medium-sized one over there. And then I have a... Oh, yeah. That's not... Powerful um, one. That's it's, not subway commute no, no, compressor. No, no, no. That one I would throw in my backpack, but the large compressor I have, actually, it's at the hallway um, with a long hose. I... Um, I had it shipped because I used it for my installation in Korea, and they just got, they sent it back, and I brought it back to studio. Was it that they don't have the kind you like there? Or they you don't just... have it. They don't have, oh, really? They don't have compressors, and it's hard to find even a small one um, there. A couple years ago, my friend tried to take a compressor in and they got caught at customs because they thought it was something like tattooing oh yeah and is that taboo yeah but now no 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 it's really everybody's getting these they just don't want tattoos. people bringing in big ass compressors maybe um, <laughs> and also i was going to take it on the plane but i was afraid they think it was something right unsafe so i had it shipped and then she's back. <laughs> you do look problematic. 
You don't want to cause any other red no, flags. It, no, it looks strange in the box, too. <laughs> right. It's just this heavy metal casing. With so. a giant muscle on the side. <laughs> That's the power jet. Oh, yeah. I didn't even notice that label. <laughs> So um, so I did. So I took a cab here, but I usually take the subway. Yeah, it's a door-to-door, 15-minute commute. That's nice. It's a great light and a great commute. What's the deal with this place? Oh, the Elizabeth Foundation? Yeah. It's a artist residency building. It's been here, I think, for more than 20 years. I've been here since 2010. Man, that's a residency. Nine, yeah. But you can renew every two years. That's you great. Meet with um, a panel of people. They review what you've done the past two years. You've been working, um, and then if they renew you, you you stay, continue. Well, clearly you've been doing well. <laughs> so well, I had to apply twice because I left in two thousand eleven. Oh, so you got back in? Yes. Wow, this is a good gig. Yes. This is a nice space. Pure, pure luck. Um, this is not the same studio I had, but um, this is my second time around studio. It's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and real quick, before I forget, isn't it funny? How does it make you feel when you move places? Because you've moved around a bit and worked, a in, and worked in different places. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird how... Um, or at least for me, you get so connected with where you get your materials, the exact kind of materials you get, and what happens if you can't get those? Mm, Yes. I mean, when I was in Japan, I was looking for masking tape. (laughs) Because I was working there for like a month and a half. And it's just regular masking tape. Mm -hmm. Could not find it. They have this other stuff there that's, you know, it's not like 3M. It's like this little yellow tape. And mm-hmm. actually ended up working well, but mm-hmm. they don't have the really wide tape to where you can cut. Yeah, I, went, I had that experience this time when I had, when I was installing my exhibition in Seoul. I was doing a wall installation and I needed, I knew I was going to use up a lot of tape. So I took rolls and rolls of the blue 3M tape. Smart. Yeah. Um, I ran out, and so I had to use the gallery's tape. And How was it? It wasn't not as good. It was too sticky. Yeah, it was. It didn't work. But it's it such okay. a struggle, right? It yeah. like completely yeah. changes your method. Mm-hmm. Like I use, I used to use those X Life Exacto blades for cutting, mm-hmm. and they're so sharp and they work really well. But I go through them like every few cuts I, I do a new one and they have this new version and they're not as good for some reason so I'm having a really hard time the same exacto no, like, company yeah, makes it different yeah it's like some other they, they changed the name and it's just not the same mm. but it's thrown a monkey wrench in my hole sorry <laughs> I'm a creature of habit <laughs> so do you have boxes of Exacto blades? No, that's the problem. I'm not smart. No. Like, oh, I don't okay. stack, oh, stock okay. up on it. I just expect it to be there forever. Like, the day when Colorade went away, mm-hmm. I used to work with Colorade all the mm-hmm. time, and they stopped making it. Well, do you use it for your work or for teaching? For collages, yeah. Okay. Oh, you remember that from grad school. Yeah. I never took that class. Yeah, you had to, like, who taught that class? Dick Lytle? Yes. You had yes. to copy a master painting in Colorade. Oh, wow. Which everyone hated, but I think afterwards you're like, oh, I, I kind of mm-hmm. get what that's about. 
Weren't you his assistant? No. No. I was... You mean like post-school? Teaching assistant, yeah. Oh, no, no. I was... uh, (laughs) um, Ruth Flowers, printmaking teaching assistant. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I did... But I loved printmaking, so that Mm -hmm. was cool. Mm -hmm. Printmaking's back. Is it? I feel like it. I do, too. I think it's such a great thing. Not when... We didn't think that when we were in school and had to take classes. No, I was doing digital prints. Which got me in a lot of trouble. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I realized you, you could feed Japanese mm-hmm. paper into like certain printers, which was really nice, and it, it made it really beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I was getting some pushback, so I would have a plate cut the size of the image that I printed it and just emboss the plate so it looked like a print, and then everyone bought it. <laughs> Do you still have any of those left? Uh, no, no, not at all. I wish I did. Mm. I have none of that old work left. So Do I, you? No, no, no. I don't. I'm like the Marie Kondo um, <laughs> when it comes to old work. I if you I, don't love it, get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, I easily. Do you watch her? I saw it once. I can't deal. It was a lot. I mean, I how can you do make somebody go to somebody's house and? I know, convince somebody that they don't need all these things that they've saved all their lives. I don't know. That I could handle. I just can't handle her. She's uh. a little affected. <laughs> like, it's a little much. But it's it? amazing she can have a whole episode, like, and not speak a word of English. And, it's true. Right? Well, do they, they have a translator. They have a translator. Yeah. Well, I guess it makes her more mystic, seemingly. I, if you, oh, that's true. If you don't, if you kind of understand Japanese, mm-hmm. it seems a little less mystic, a uh, little more New Agey, and kind of like. But I, I'm, she's great. She gets <laughs> stuff done. Yeah, she does, and gets people to get rid of all the crap, which I could use. I have a lot of crap. <laughs> Not like your. I mean, this studio. It's pretty tidy. Well, I, I just sent out fifteen paintings. Um, for the show and I did clean up a bit because with the pumice um, when I'm working it's just splatters everywhere and I have to work pretty quickly so if it falls on the floor I just let it go and so over like two years I had a very terrainy surface um, studio floor so when I came back from Korea I got down on my knees and scraped the floor down. Oof. They renewed Chiseled you. it. They renewed your, <laughs> no. your residency right after that. They're like, she put in the hard work. Two more years. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and repainted the floor, so that's why you see what you see right now. It matches your paintings. I know. <laughs> I thought before you came, I would make this crazy colorful painting and oh, yeah? sit here with like a Hawaiian shirt for you. <laughs> Neon yellow and green. And yeah, and just surprise you and be like, whoa, where did this come from? New direction. Yeah, but it didn't happen. Um, yeah. So, well, where does, I guess, where does all this come from? You know what I mean? Like, within you. So, like, growing up, mm-hmm. were you always into drawing or making art? Yeah. Are your parents artistic? Is it genetic? Mm, well, my grandfather 
was a painter, but oh, he was also a professional soccer player and what? A composer. Really? Yes. Um, Did he play for Korean. Like, like a K team? Mm-hmm. Whoa. They didn't um, play for the national team? No. But still, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And um, I have cousins who are designers. Um, but yeah, I grew up drawing a lot. There was always a lot of paper around the house because my father was past, is a pastor. And for church, we'd had stacks of paper for him to make the bulletin for the services. So So where where is this? Where are we talking? Oh, in Michigan. Where at though? In Oh, Troy, Michigan. Is that a suburb? Suburbs of like Detroit. Yeah. So I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Family moved around. We lived in Lansing. Um, eventually I think settled for the longer time in Troy. Um, where my father had a church, and yeah, we were pastors, kids. Wait, so grandpa, professional or pro soccer player, artist, mm-hmm. and was he Christian? Where did that come from? Oh, my my father went to seminary school in Michigan. Um. Sorry if this is getting all no, no, this is back good. and forth. But um, he came to the States in, uh, in the 60s, um, and he attended a fundamental Baptist um, school in South Carolina. That's deep. Deep. And <laughs> deep in many ways. Yeah. Um, and my mother separately ended up at the school, Bob Jones University. Have you heard? I've heard. Okay. <laughs> yes. Did you know this about me? I didn't. Okay. Um, so they met, got married, um, had had my brother there. They moved to Michigan for my father to attend seminary. Um, then he, they had me and my younger sister. They started a church, had a house, typical suburban life, um, always surrounded by church, family, and friends. Um, And we we grew up there, and then we finally moved back. Well, my parents needed to move back to Korea because my father was working for a Christian radio station. Um, we were also only speaking English then, and they decided to go complete immersive. So they threw us in Korean school. How old were you? Um, fourth grade. Oof. Yeah, that was hard. Um, and then we were in Korea for about eight years, and they decided, oh, it's time to go back to the States. And s- but um, since they were both at Bob Jones, They've always wanted their children to go there, too. So they sent us to boarding school, and it was at Bob Jones. It was Bob Jones Academy. So I went there my senior year of high school and then um, stayed for college as well. 
I didn't even know that. You didn't? No, no. I didn't. Yeah. Wait, how long? We've known each other for a really long time. See, that's why. I yeah, I don't really eyes. talk. Of, I don't really talk about it. But <laughs> but now, yeah, I guess now I when I do when I when I do think back, it makes sense. Like why why do certain things or why um just you know it's part of the story. So yeah, you're you because of what you. Everyone's you because of what you go through. Mm-hmm. You know, in yeah. your environment, really. Def- yeah, and so. I went to college there. I had to leave the last... Kicked out. (laughs) (laughs) No? Did you really? Yeah, but that's a whole other podcast episode. Um, Not sound and vision, but I don't know. Something else. Um, It got kicked out, and the (laughs) the school wasn't accredited. So it was impossible to transfer. Oh, you lost all the credits. Well, it didn't mean anything to any other oh, school. Right. Yeah, yeah. It um, did to Jesus, though. <laughs> yeah. Although you got kicked out, so I guess it evens out. Yeah, I mean, he didn't kick me out. The right, that's true. That's come true. Come on, come on. It was Ryan. the authority. It was yes. the authority. Um. So, but somehow Clemson University, um just understood the situation they took me in so I did my last senior year I redid my senior year actually because it was only, I got kicked out two months two months before graduation Whoa, you were almost there yeah wait what would your stupid question but do you what's the degree that you get oh I got a uh, I was gonna get a graphic design degree really yeah I had the choice to pick between um, fine arts and graphic design. Boy, I'm so curious about the fine arts program there. Yeah, I I made the conscious decision not to do it because not do painting and go toward design because I felt like I had more access to um, the world or outside the school because... Not gainful employment? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that too... Oh, right. Who knows? I might be still there at, at Bob Jones being a graphic designer oh, right. there, for right? Making brochures, brochures for yes. undergraduates at Bob Jones. Yes. Um, um, so Clemson took you in. Yeah, Clemson took me in. Um, and I had to start pretty much all over it, take the freshman requisites that Clemson wanted me to take so that I could get their diploma. So I was taking like math, geology, um, but then also they didn't have a graphic design department there, so when I changed, I got to take a lot of painting courses, and I was about, it was like a whole new world to me, as you can imagine. Yeah. Um, at Bob Jones, like the human anatomy class, I mean, we were drawing clothes because the models were, you know, fully dressed or um, there was a color class and actually there was a professor at Bob Jones who graduated from Yale who studied under Albers um, and de Kooning and I mean he was one figure that I always felt, I don't know, connected connected to. I mean he never enforced or forced religion on you, 
Um, because there, no matter what department, whatever you're studying, um, always the religion was first. Right. Um, and other stuff is just extra. But I felt with him, he, he was a really quiet person, but just through his just unspoken um, um, ways. His vibe? Yeah, it was, I don't know, I felt like connection with him and um, maybe with him he came from Brooklyn he went to Pratt back in the day and then ended up at this institution so you know he he was aware of what was out there yeah. and um, it was his conscious conscious decision to um, settle down and be a professor at a place where I don't know I'm sure a lot of people didn't understand so um, I don't know I feel like there are a lot of people like him along the way who've kind of directed me um, um, toward just pursuing this whole art thing art thing did it work at Clemson like were you projected into thinking like this is something I want to do do Or was it just classes you were taking at that point? No, no, it just made sense. Everything was clear. I knew for sure this is what I wanted to do. Um, I think um, there was a lot just kind of built up in me, and after I had to leave, I had to question a lot of things about, like, who I was and where I was or, um, um, like, ideas of feeling marginal or um, kind of kicked out to the side or um, my relationship to the world and how I see things or um, it just started to um, uh, I started to understand it more as I was uh, working as as I had the opportunity to just make art Um, there was one professor at Clemson, his name is Richard Sewell. He, I, I think that one day I sat down and talked to him about like what, I'd, what I had gone through, how I had left school, and now I'm here. I have one year to figure it out. And um, he gave me a lot of, I don't know, it was, it was really inspirational. It was more about don't think outside the box, but it was like, just first start looking outside the line you know when you're when you're working just take it slowly there's a lot ahead of you and um yeah he was one person that really um was encouraging and then just a lot of other figures I feel like throughout you know kept my focus yeah um so what were you doing, like in Clemson, were you just making your standard art class work? Yeah, I was know? making everything. Still was, lives and figurative paintings and whatnot. Yeah, I did. I, I was, I was um, doing still lives. I was doing Rothko paintings. I, you know, I do color field paintings. I was doing, every, I was yeah. doing everything. I was going through the different genres. Right. And then, you know, I, I think I was... I really tried to get as much as I could um, out of the program. 
Um, so whenever there were graduate classes, I tried to like sit in and see what's going on. Or um, they had studio visits with um, artists that like I never heard of. Like Richard Phillips came, and I had no idea who oh, he that's was. That's cool. Yeah. And I, was I, it inspiring though? Just yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like wow, it's like they had like a, whenever they came, they had like a glow around them. We're like in South yeah. Carolina, you know, to see a. New York artist, you know, in like real life. Yeah. That was huge. And because I was so sheltered, um, um, I guess for so long, just being able to kind of like peel off layers and layers and like kind of see more. Yeah. Um, were not, you not were at you, all at once? But. Were you really digging into, you know, art magazines and like art history and all that stuff? Or was it just kind of you were doing your thing? And that was a, a parallel, like on the side. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean both, definitely, because I wasn't aware of um, a lot of contemporary work that was going on at Bob Jones. Um, you know, we studied art history, but I feel like it was more, you know, like sacred art mm-hmm. or um, yeah, European old masters. I mean, they had an amazing art collection at Bob Jones. I don't think a lot of people. No, but it was open to yeah. the public, but people just, um, just like this hidden gem on the campus where they had Tintoretto's and Botticelli's in this really? like, collection. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. It, um, but I don't know, just, just exposed to so many things when I was there that one year. I mean, I was exposed to, I, mean, I was at Clemson, so um, that you can imagine the picture of like being in an art department, but also at Clemson, um, I had art classes with sorority girls. Yeah, and much more social and yeah, yeah, and loose. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember a grad student calling me back um, to the courtyard and be like, "Oh, you should try smoking pot because you know this will really inspire." <laughs> <laughs> I, I had no idea about this. Right. Is all new to me. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up in a way, kind of. Not sheltered, but there was yeah. like a path that you were on that was pretty pathy. Yeah, and but it it that path got disrupted. Yeah. And, um, God, yeah. the identity stuff flying around your head though must have been wild, right? Yeah, you know but I mean? yeah, like, and but you know what? Or you just identified with? I mean, did you always feel like? I don't even know today to this day what religion means to you, but was it always something that was just it was just a constant in there? Always or did you ever think like I don't know if this is I mean, I remember, you know, I grew up in a Christian household and at a certain mm. point I just said, Yeah, I don't I don't really think that's cool for them, but I'm not really in this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I still have you know, the faith, but I don't think it's Design the way, say that that school, you know, wanted. Good old to Bobby J. Wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many iterations of religions too. You know, within just within Christianity. I remember growing up, and there were the Catholic kids and the Lutheran, and mm-hmm. you know, the it was just so many versions mm-hmm. of it. And I wasn't Catholic. I mean, I wasn't even practicing. I grew up in a Lutheran household that okay. never went to church or. You know, it just wasn't there, mm-hmm. really. I mean, they read the Bible, but it didn't really... I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. 
but I had friends who were Catholics and they hated it because mm-hmm. they had to go to CCD and you know they were it was just it seemed very strict so I didn't really grapple with it and it was mm-hmm. probably easier for me to just move my own direction or feel how I wanted to feel about believing you know what I mean mm-hmm. whereas that must have been a tougher well but yeah because my my we were always we grew up with it and we knew in a way this was in our future too um um, yeah, my friend growing up, I played soccer with. He was adopted, and his dad was a pastor, and he was trouble. That dude was like, always. I almost died one night driving with it. I had to get home. We're at a party, and he drove back. I didn't realize how drunk he was. You know, like, I think in your life you can look back and say maybe like a handful if you're lucky, less than that, of decisions where you're like, man, I really blew that one. Mm-hmm. And getting in that car was such a bad decision. I was so scared. But, mm-hmm. that, you know, he was just like anarchy. Mm-hmm. Like he pushed back as far as you could push back from that, you know. So it, you never know how it manifests itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have, I guess, I'm not bitter toward you know, the experience I had to go through. No, I feel like every kid's <laughs> bitter to some extent about their youth, you know? No, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. I know, like, it's funny because I kind of closed that chapter and yeah. hadn't t- thought about that for a while, but, like, when I think about it, it's, it sounds, like, so unreal and I'm trying to convince you to believe me, like, this is how it was. No, but, I believe you. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was at Clemson. I had a studio visit with Richard Phillips. He said, "Oh, you should apply for Yale." I was like, "Oh, what's oh, they have good a- old Richard?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Really?" Um, but you know, I had nothing. I didn't had no idea about the program or right. art schools. Like all that was beyond me. So you just said, "What the hell?" Yeah, and I did it, and you know, I each slide I had Picasso looking thing I had a color field looking thing I had my portfolio my slide sheet was ridiculous I but thought, I didn't know I yeah. had no idea well you got in I thought you were going to say each slide remember you, when you had to do slides mm-hmm. and they had to be numbered and mm-hmm. upside down and yes. labeled and uh-huh. if you didn't get it right they would chuck them <laughs> I thought you were going to complain about that for a second <laughs> No, that that's a better story. But it was like, no, I no, had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea how to, you know, get stuff together. Um, I don't think. Yeah, we didn't have the resources then. You know what I mean? You just didn't. There's but a lot I didn't of stuff get you didn't in. Know. But I didn't get in. That's weird because I could have sworn I saw you there. <laughs> <laughs> you would have. <laughs> no. It really did look like you. No, I got in like two years later. So you applied over and over. Yeah. Wait, what did you do in between? I went to Maryland Art Institute and did the post-baccalaureate program. Oh, you went to Micah. Mm -hmm. Micah's great, isn't it? It was great. So you met a ton of people there. A ton of people who were so helpful. Um, How did you like the Baltimore scene? It was definitely sketchy. I lived in Columbia, so I drove out and just came into the city for school. But... um, Kind of reminds me of New Haven, in a way. Yeah. Well, you, 
I mean, Detroit, you weren't in Detroit proper. No, no, I was going to say, no. if you went Detroit, Baltimore, New Haven, that's like the trifecta of, <laughs> I don't want to talk crap about cities, but there's some rough mm-hmm. elements to all three of those. But yeah, Baltimore's great. There's museums, there's mm-hmm. like food and people. Yeah. Art, lots of art to go see. Did you just have a a heyday in the, in the museum, like that area? No, I would, you know what? Oh, you hunkered yeah. down? Yeah, I I wanted to go to grad school. Well, I needed to figure it out. I needed to keep it going, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, you know what? That makes me think of, too, because of Baltimore and D.C. Music, so growing up in a household of faith, mm-hmm. music's usually a big part of that. Were you? Did you listen to a lot of music growing up? No, I mean, mostly hymns. Yeah. Um, what about you, once you started choosing music? What were you, what, how did that enter in? Oh, so, uh, let's see. I'm trying to figure out, because we were just not allowed to listen to, you know, rock music growing up. No Snoop? No <laughs> Snoop. <laughs> um, but I went to a... Um, uh, what do you call it? A cur- um, conservatory? No. I Classical. Uh... I went to an international school just before I went to South Carolina to go to boarding school. And um, so a lot of kids would go to this area in Seoul called Itaewon and they'd sell cassette tapes, copied cassette tapes, bootlegs. Mm-hmm. Nice. And that's where they sell like fake purses, fake, like everything you can get. The Canal Street, so to speak. Exactly, but they had this shop where it was cassette tapes. And I remember buying copies of Madonna or, um, you know, Depeche Mode, Cure. Um, Yeah, and then hiding it in my drawer, listening to it, and then putting it back. Getting in trouble. Um, I had the same experience. (laughs) My neighbor gave me a cassette tape that had NWA, Mm -hmm. the Ghetto Boys, and the Beastie Boys on a tape. Oh, nice. Yep. Beastie Boys was one of the songs, one of the groups that I started listening to when I just left Bob Jones and I was able to purchase music um, remember you did those orders where they sent you nine oh, yeah, CDs yeah. the, the mail order yeah, thing yeah 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 you check off the ones you mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. well License to Ill was in there yes nice <laughs> um and then they opened for Madonna on their first tour wow fun fact what year would, would that have been boy I can't I don't know mm-hmm. early 90s right mm-hmm. um see so yeah and then going to Yale I remember that was one of the things like you introduce yourselves you meet everybody and like what kind of music do you listen to I remember um, Adam Adam Henry Mm -hmm. he's like what do you listen to I'm like I don't know I listen to like Cure I listen to the Depeche Mode still (laughs) He listened to Cranberries, and he was like, ugh, listen to this. And he gave me, like, a stack of CDs to listen to. I was like, okay. 
It had like Bell and Sebastian, it had Magnetic Fields, it had Yola Tango. I was like, oh, wow, okay, I can listen to this. And I think that like opened like my... Musical uh, horizons? Yes. Yeah, he was like the older sibling, you know what I mean, who like gives you like a bunch of cool music when yeah. you're young. Yeah, yeah. And then listen to this and like come back, let me know what you think. I really liked Magnetic Fields. I liked Bell and Sebastian. Um, and then that, I'm just like listening to those and then kind of spread to other things and I was able to like find, you know, you know, what I liked. Yeah, from you were allowed. You were allowed to like yes. freely explore. Yeah. It's funny though, because I feel like if you don't necessarily have that in your history as a person, then you, you're fine just sticking to a few things that you like. You know what I mean? But then sometimes it's like Pandora's box. Like if you open it up, I'm sure Spotify has done that to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Where they're like, well, I'm not going to go to a record store and like, you know, dig through the crates for like, you know, rough cuts or something. But then if it's all instantaneously available, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to like experiment and like listen to a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when we were in school, we were still like other music was still yeah open. So on the weekends, we would hit the museums, galleries, and then go to other, other music. music. I know, sad day when that stopped happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, a guy who our band who opened up for our band that we went on tour with. He when we I moved down to the city afterwards, he worked at other music, which was oh, wow. a great hookup. But that was a place where you could go in there and be like, well, I like this band and that band. And they would be like, oh, you got to check out this, Mm. you know, it's pretty cool. Sorry. It's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. And, and so. What about, so your, your music kind of horizons got expanded, but what about your work? I don't even remember what your work was like before you came, like as you came in. Oh, it was. almost like calligraphic like linear forms simplified who were you looking at like who were you inspired mm-hmm. by I was looking at Mark Toby I was looking at like Sue Williams I mm-hmm. was looking at kind of like the more automatic you know um, gestural mark making yeah um, I really like um I'm spacing right now, but any, I was, I liked work that looked. Lyrical? Not lyrical, it looked similar, like it looked like something, but it wasn't really that. (laughs) Um, A form that was trying to take shape, looks recognizable, but it kind of fell apart. Um, Kind of flirts between abstraction and representation. yeah, Yeah, so I was doing that, but using lines, linear marks. And then when I went to Yale, I remembered noticing people using tape and you were one of the people that did that. Yeah, that was like my addicted to heroin. I mean, I was so... Like behind my door, I had a tape ball that was larger than a human. I remember those were heavy tape days. Heavy. I mean... I mean, I've I've seen work with parts of tape used here and there, but 
I mean, the way that you were using tape and coming, creating these images, these really complicated fields of, you know, imagery. I don't know. I was really fascinated. And I think you were doing it. Adam was doing it. Um, so I started using tape. Cynthia, too. Cynthia. Melissa. Was, was Melissa. I don't know. Melissa was doing more printmaking stuff, I think. But, yeah, I'm sure she... Yeah, because I don't know if she was doing painting back then. Oh. Or painting in the way that her paintings look now. But, yeah, there was there was an element of that going around, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I, I was simplifying the work that I came up, came in with. I would place something recognizable, like a given... I would call it the given, and then I would have like dots um, in, in, placed in certain um, areas on the painting, and they would optically like be in relationship and um, connect and create a whole picture, but then not really. So. I was interested in making work that something starts to form. You assume that it'll form, but something else comes in and um, breaks that illusion or some other illusion happens. So um, that I was doing that kind of, I was making that kind of work for a while. And then... They were just all black and white. They looked like connect-the-dot paintings um, without the numbers. So I was playing with these dots, how their relationship, their proximity, the way where they're placed, how your eye connected from one to the other or didn't connect or disconnected. Um, Yeah, so then I started um, thinking about more of the space between, you know, things... Um, and then it all just makes sense to me working that way because I was interested in, you know, like the marginal space, bringing the peripheral like to the center, um, all those, trying to come up with ways to like see um, um, space in a different way. So, so. I guess the beginning question I had that started all this was kind of like, well, where'd it come from? And part of your work is, well, A, abstraction. Mm -hmm. And then there is like a reduced, a quietness to it and a reduced palette. They're not Brazilian kind of like shouting color, you know. Mm -hmm. So, but I still don't know where, is that intuitive, do you think? I, I just got rid of a lot of things. I just find it, thought it was unnecessary and so paring down yeah yeah um i can do without um i need something else to come in to um take over and so i could let go of certain things and so i feel like i'm still doing that like right now i'm trying to figure out how i'm gonna let go of that shadow i want i don't want that chat i think i can do it i want to see it without the um, shadow being sprayed in there yeah and so the whole bringing up the surface with the um, texture and that's kind of why it all started because I wanted to forego the shadow and um, thought maybe just like the slightest um, 
relief or a lip of an edge within the painting would um, um, push push the surface back or forward. Um, but and then the lack of color, um, I just wanted to stick with the just the material. I didn't want. I didn't. I guess in the beginning, I. I've always wanted to use color, but I didn't want to um, use it as a coat um, on top of these surfaces. And so I've been working on trying to mix in the colors in between the layers so that if I did have a subtle pink or red or blue tone to it, it would not be on the surface but come through. But I am so still hesitant about how to use it, so I'm... I may I may be like there's color in that white right there, but you're not going to be able to see it. Right, it's in there. It's in there, but it's not saying, "Hey, I'm blue." No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Well, there's so and there's a real elegance to them, and they're mm-hmm. quite there. There's a f- sort of volume to them, I think, mm-hmm. but there's also a real weight to them, which counteract. They're sort of all for me. That's like the equation when I look at them is this combination of like. Formal space, not to bring up the F word, but you know, like space and the literal space and pictorial space, and then the kind of volume of them. They're kind of quiet, so they draw you in, but there's this real, especially these, you know, and I want to know how long you've been working on with the pumice, but they just feel so heavy, you know. There's such a materiality to them. Yeah, I, I mean, I really, I had. A little jar of the pumice in my studio. I really wanted to just bring up the edge, and so I added it to one end of my painting. I liked how what happened at the edge of the canvas, um, the rough edges, and so I wanted that edge, rough edge, to kind of happen inside the painting too. So you got it. <laughs> yeah, and now though, like the painting you see right now on the floor. Um, now they're beyond. They're be, now they're in much more of a relief. Um, they're more sculptural, and so there are other um, issues that come along with that, like lighting and um, how they're going to be supported, or you know how are they going to be viewed or installed. So. Um, is yeah, they are or, heavy. Is, they, is that a good or a bad thing? Is that something you enjoy or something that you don't want to deal with? Because you do these really cool-looking installations, too, that are like oppy, mm-hmm. corner, mm-hmm. Physic, like your kind of Torellish, mm-hmm. like playing with space and physicality and optical, you know, spatial awareness, but in a totally different way. But, you know, it makes me think of like Sandback or someone who manipulates mm-hmm. space with like this illusion, but... Um, so there's a totally different kind of weight to that too that's not there but it feels you know substantial mm-hmm. in a way yeah I, I mean, well, I've always wanted them I began wanting to see or have a tactile aspect to it um, and I think you can have something super textural but like visually it could give you a you could have a different experience different experience you know yeah. i mean these are heavy but i think they still have a light there is a lightness definitely to, i mean there's like a duality there's always like it's heavy but it's light you know is it 
this dimension, it's that dimension. Um, I've always carried that. Um, Are you binary? <laughs> no, not bipolar. No, binary. <laughs> Light and dark, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the speed the and slowness. The There's, yeah. you know, a duality. Yeah, yeah. You're so far away from the microphone. A, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> Sliding chairs. Close, <laughs> far. Close, far. Far. Yeah, and I remember close. at Yale having a studio visit with a visiting critic. And he said, why don't you put more of yourself into your work? That's, that's what you need to do. Why don't like, you leave? <laughs> <laughs> but I said, how much more can I, I mean, I, I think I do already, and I almost wanted to remove it even more, but. Um, do you think people say that kind of stuff just to say it, just to like try to push a button to challenge, you know what I mean? Or do they really think like, oh, I need to see more? I think some people do want more. They need more. They need like, like an illustrative personality to it. You know what I mean? Because obviously everything people are doing is about them or it's, it's them. They just want to see more of like I need to see more of you in this. It's too It's impersonal. too close it's too closed, you know. Um Yeah. But that's what I don't know. That's what got me into minimal abstraction, just the covertness, the it's all there. It's a matter of like how you how you read it or understand it or experience it. Um that's the kind of painting I wanted to make, just um, completely reduced, but really the, like, it's still so complicated. Um, I think the problem to a lot of people have when they look at artists and their work that they want to just associate their identity with their work visually mm-hmm. in a clear and quick way. So then it's like, oh, I, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can define that. Like, that person's making that work. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand it. I think the work is difficult to kind of enter. Um, well, you have to know something about art. And do you <laughs> think the work that I make is can be problematic because you do have to have that understanding? I hope not. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I, I, but I think it's a fact of life that, let's, let's say, you have a show, you know, on 14th Street in Manhattan mm-hmm. in a ground floor gallery and a lot of people walk into that gallery who know about art and are going to see it and then there's people coming off the street I mean if it's a big figurative painting that looks realistic it's just going to connect with more people mm-hmm. because you don't need to necessarily know anything about a hard history or the language of it to engage in it mm-hmm. and then there's art that is about you know that is more connected to the you know the lexicon of art itself mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't have that language and they, they just disconnect from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, some people just like to get in a car and drive in and like, this is great. Other people open up the hood and are like, yeah, that's a carburetor. Look at the size of that engine. Mm-hmm. And that's a hybrid. And it does, you know, mm-hmm. it, you, you come to it with, with different tools as a viewer and mm-hmm. as an artist. You, I mean, I guess you could think about, well, I want to make something that just connects to everyone. Yeah, well, you know. There's people who make that work. Yeah, um, so there's illusion in my painting, right? And sometimes I wonder if I can't, like, let that go because that's one thing that... It's the eye tickle? Yeah, it's just, like, you don't have to know about... You don't know have to understand where this, like, you know, 
type of painting is coming from because right. you've got this and yeah. hold on to this. And I wonder, and maybe I think that's why I want to let go of the shadow and um, maybe just let the surface, you know, do its thing. I don't, um, this is my own, I'm critiquing my own work here. No, it's, it's, it's a kind of a ballsy move, you know what I mean? Because it's less of a, sa- there's less of a safety net in a way mm-hmm. of people. But then I know what you're saying. Like a lot of times you do want to make work that people will stay in. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. you want to keep them in that painting. The and familiar, keep them looking. yeah. Just that one familiar thing, hold on to it. Um, and then when I go back to the, the connect the dot paintings where they were completely blank and I expect I just want you to finish I want the viewer to finish the rest of the painting by making their connections it's kind of like the same thing I was like putting out a given like you hold on to this and then see if you can connect the rest and make the picture and I feel like I'm still I guess I'm still doing that in a way um yeah I think a lot of times we Individuals who are making artwork do kind of the, are still trying to answer the same questions in different ways mm-hmm. for like decades. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just like it gets tweaked, but you're still like, I'm still asking questions about what our surroundings and our environment say about us as a people. And it's, it's changed over time and mm-hmm. there's different things that have happened in the work, but it's kind of that same question. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, you know, it says a lot about us, you know, as a people. Like the last show I did was about the environment, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like the biggest issue we have. Mm -hmm. Because the environment doesn't care whether we're tall, short, you know, where we come from or any of that stuff. It's like if we keep on this path, it's going to be trouble. So, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, though. It's like our world, what it says about us. So, same question. But that's what's being conscious about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of like that, like a deep look at something, you know. My favorite artwork is Japanese prints. And I love that they were just looking at day to day life, you know, in a lot of those. And making like, minute it, adjustments. Yeah, yeah, just images about the world and how it's changing or what the environment is and what that sort of how that reflects people in, you know, the world. But. Yeah, those are the big questions that we're not going to be able to answer in this podcast. <laughs> do you like drawing a lot, or is it something you force yourself to do? Is it something I always draw. I do a lot a of drawings. Yeah. I don't know if it's a release anymore because I have to. I I make a lot of drawings, and I like to make. I, I make the same paintings over and over again too before I'm happy with oh, yeah. the painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the whole... The drawings, I've never... I just make these quick drawings, and they just pile up, and then I stash them away. Um, I've never really publicly shown the drawings. Um, I, I like them. They, it's a totally different... Um, process obviously because you know when I'm drawing it's just very direct and no no material involved it's just me coming up with different 
variations of, you know, what I want the painting to do, and hopefully out of all those variations, one will just click. Um, there's a lot of pain, uh, planning that goes into the paintings. Um, the, so everything's pretty much measured out. I can't control the pumice layers going down because it has a mind of its own. So every layer, um, I really have to pay attention and make decisions um, as as they're being applied. So, um, yeah. There's a little color in those drawings up there. No, yeah, I started so um, the. The small paintings I sent to Korea for my show, there were um, colors embedded underneath. It's hard to photograph these paintings. Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't. Yeah, they, they don't. I mean, there's so much nuance. You have to see them in person. Everyone come over to the studio. Come to. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, go to Korea. To see. Is the show up to now? Korea. It's up now. It's Until? Up the 9th. So, What's end the, of this week. Oh, so you can so week. hurry, everyone. <laughs> when this comes out, you literally got to red-eye it. <laughs> <laughs> can you give the gallery information so people can go to the gallery and see? Or they can just go to the gallery and check oh, it right out. Oh, right now? Yeah, sure. Oh, my show, my solo exhibition right now, I have, have up is at Gallery Baton in Seoul, Korea. Cool. Well, maybe if the show's over, they could still go and maybe possibly see yes. some of your work there. Yes, definitely. Um, but yeah, there's so much of it as you got to see it in person. Yeah, and um, I've never worked um, in relief before. So tricky seeing it in different lighting. Um, you know, when it's out of your studio, it's out of your... You know, you have no say like where it should be hung or yeah, how it yeah. should be or how it should be lit. And that's something I'm trying to get used to. Do you miss Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> Although today is kind of warmer. It's been brutal. I like I miss Hawaii. Um, I miss how it just slows you down. There's um, nowhere like it, right? It's I feel like it's its own thing. Oh, you were there. When were you there? That was, I mean, I've been there a bunch, but the last time I saw you there was got to be maybe seven years ago. Wow, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Actually, that was five years ago. Five years ago. Mm, no, that makes sense. The pace is different. Um, we just dropped everything, moved out. We thought we'd just try it for six months, go surf and... I could paint. Um, I'm surprised you're still not there. <laughs> I think if I tried it for six months, I might just make it a permanent residency. I don't know. No, you. Maybe later on in life, right. but right now, I mean, look at you. You you have so much going on. You would. You I'm would so explode. young. You would explode. Island <laughs> fever to the max. Yeah. For I you. I don't know. Um, I think I could be pretty happy surfing. Hanging out on the beach. Skateboarding. I have that side of me. Huh. This is a lot, this whole thing. Port Authority area? Uh, no, I mean <laughs> just New York can can get you 
can get you tired. I mean, I love it, but it's, you know, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I just need a beach for like three days. That's all I need. You can do a go to Long Beach. That's not a beach. <laughs> People <laughs> I need, surf. I need a warm beach for three days. Worth. So we were, doing, we were surfing there and it's just, I mean, I don't like big waves. I like the mellow Waikiki. Yeah. Ankle biters. Um, <laughs> Not the twenty footers on the North Shore. No, I don't. You want carving nose? No, I don't like to bring out my gun that often. Um, but yeah, it was good. I actually had a studio there too. Um, it was in the back of an office, but nobody works. Like nobody. I mean, it would be empty. I'd like walk into the office to go through to get to my studio but the lights were always off I was like wondering like do you guys ever work but um, I'm sure they had their own schedules they probably worked at night yeah everyone works on the beach (laughs) the beach office but it was it was hard um, I'd love to I'd love to get people yeah I'm sure to be inside working in the studio there plus I'd love to see people's reaction to this work there Mm. Because it's such, I feel like it's not island vibe work. It's more heady. and But maybe people would, did you have people in the studio a lot? Yeah, but we, were, we didn't really we didn't talk, talk about, about it. Yeah. Talked about waves <laughs> and 88Ts. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't, we did not, yeah, talk about work. But it was fine. It was fine. It was just had that period where I just worked in the studio. I would send paintings, actually, to New York. And it worked out for a while. That's great. Yeah. You refreshed. Came back. No, but then I came back, and it was I had to start all over again. I, you know, you leave New York for a certain period of time, and you come back and be like, who, who are you? Is it like that? It was like that. I mean, I felt like that. And also, I came back with two kids, too. Holy, yeah, that's a... And so, the whole... Um, Man, that's a different parenting move. Parenting in Hawaii and parenting <laughs> in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This place is not easy. No, it was, you know... You know, pack, packing up your stroller just to go to the park, and then you forget one thing, have to go all the way back home. Just um, shopping, too. Oh. It was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So, coming back, I needed to change up a lot of things. It wasn't... My work was uh, changing, and I wanted to... I find myself wanting to um, become more... Well, I had to be more productive, like given the limited time I had to come to the studio and work. You know, you have two kids, you have two hours, throw some paint down and go back home. Punch the clock. Yeah. You really learn that art of yeah. not like fiddling around on the internet or whatever. You're just like, okay, it's go time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I, I think using pumice too just made me feel like man I'm like getting stuff done like this heavy material I'm like I, I worked for one hour but I feel like you know like I did a lot I leave come back the next day put another layer down it's just I think the whole um everything affected the way the work has changed and um 
the material that I use and how I see it. um, Yeah. You feel good about it? Uh, (laughs) Sure you do. (laughs) I feel good. I'm excited about the smaller. I mean, as much as they're a struggle and um, I wrestle with the smaller paintings, um, the thicker, the, the works and the ones that are yeah. thicker, heavier. I don't know. There's at the end. There's like this. I have this. I'm, I'm content. You know. I I had no idea um, where they would end. But earlier work, I always had it all planned out. I knew exactly where everything was going to lie, and the fact I felt like um, I could see it before. The painting was even made, but with the work, the newer work, um, more out of my control, um, and it's definitely nice to see the end when when there is an end to the paintings. Um, yeah. Well, I think they're great. Thank you. Color. Uh, next next is color. No, they don't need I love monochrome, man. I love a muted palette. I I I had to fight that too because I remember when I was in school I was making very I mean there were colors, but it was it wasn't like super bright and the, There were a lot of white. It was a lot of white. Yeah, professors gave me a hard time a lot. I was like I'm from Pittsburgh. Everything's kinda grayish there. Mm. Cut me a break. Green, white, and gray. Yeah. Muted yellow, like just a little yeah. bit of tight knit yellow and some white. Well, you know, I had your studio after mm. your second year. On the first floor? The bigger one? The big one. Wait, was your year the last year before they moved? Yes. To the new building? Yes. Yeah, we took it. We, uh, we closed out that but, building. But I remember, I mean, I, f- I felt. When I left a lot of crap on the wall? No, I was really happy <laughs> to have your studio. It just kind of. I remember the way you used your studio. Like one day it would be a greenhouse, next day you'd have mural paintings all over. It was weird. I mean, yeah. you changed it up. I think you were going through. I think you were trying a lot of different things. Yeah, I was. I threw everything in the kitchen sink in there. And I was painting on the walls. Yeah. I, and I, you had like that. I took the doorknob. Plants. <laughs> yeah, I was growing plants and painting them. But the best thing is, like, remember, I, I, I don't know if you remember this, I painted the floor up onto the wall to make it look like the floor was higher. And I continued around where the door is, and I painted the floor up on the door. And then I took the doorknob out, and I sealed it, and then I painted a doorknob above it so when the teachers would leave after the crit, they would go for the fake doorknob, and I would laugh every time. <laughs> It would get irritated. You must have painted over that. You must have painted over that because I don't. I don't see. I think work crew did that over the summer. Work crew. But yeah, I was doing all sorts of crap. Yeah. So when I had your studio, you know, I felt like I needed to use, you know, not just make paintings, try different things. So I think the whole, all the installation, um, came from using that studio. It had like the perfect corner where it was nice. Just use two. Um, you know, two walls on the floor and just do whatever you wanted. And You know, when I was there, Jonathan was next door and that's when he was making the paintings with chains. He would put paint on, I think he was putting paint on a chain and then beating the canvas with the chain. Which Jonathan? Ehrenberg. Oh, he's downstairs. Really? Yeah. He's great, isn't he? 
His films are great. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I've seen Jonathan once in a while. We've got to talk to him for this. But yeah, he was he was listening to Chet Baker and beating the wall with wow, the chains, which scared the crap that. out of me. <laughs> just all of a sudden, just hear, as I was painting. <laughs> as I'm screwing a planter with a plant in it to the wall. Like 2 a.m. in the what morning. What the hell was yeah. going on in wow. that place? Uh, good times. Well, I. It was really great to be here. Oh, thank you. I think people should get that red eye over to <laughs> Seoul to see your show. But Thanks. if not, they can see. Do you have? Do you have a website? Yes, it's my name, SuzanneSong.com, and I'm not a big. I try to use Instagram. I've looked. You don't. <laughs> you look like it's a very healthy Instagram user. I, yeah, I should I should use it more. It's, Not really. No. The the cute kid pics are. Cute. <laughs> more kid pictures. Kid pics are cute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think people should check out your work. Thank if you. They're unfamiliar. Thank you. It was great coming over. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about my artwork at paintchanger.com. You can find images that I take at the podcast at soundandvisionpodcast.com. You can also follow on Instagram at soundandvisionpodcast. Many thanks to Lullatone, to Nazca Lines, Michael Lovett, and to all the listeners. <laughs>